Hi, this is Michael Lowe, and you're listening to May I Ask You a Question? In the second part of my conversation with Dr. Lisa LaGeorge, we talk about singleness in the church, why she writes about it on her blog, why it's increasingly important to talk about more in the church, and how God has cared for her and what he's taught her through her journey of singleness. And we talk about much more. Honestly, she's such a thoughtful wealth of knowledge that I would have loved to chat with her for another few hours. But alas, there's only so much time. Hope you all enjoy. Thanks for listening. Um, if you don't mind, let's go ahead and take a, a little bit of a left turn here. Um, I, I started reading your blog probably a month and a half ago. Um, and one, the biggest thing I was struck by, uh, and I told you this when I, um, asked you to be on the podcast was I was struck by your, your candor on, um, on singleness. And, um, yeah, I think I, I forgot to count, but I think you have maybe five to 10 entries just on singleness and encouraging people how to think about it and how singles to think and how the church to think. Um, let me start. Well, why, why talk about singleness, uh, the way that you do and as much as you do on your blog? Sure. I think the first and most obvious answer is I am single. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think as a woman who has worked in a university setting, uh, it was pretty natural for me to begin talking with my students about what it, what it is to live a godly single life. Hmm. And I, I remember the point, um, it was probably about five or six years into my career uh, teaching, and I was in my early 30s. And I, I was, uh, I was talking with a pastor at a church that I'd been attending and I was a little confused, uh, as to why I was having a hard time kind of getting in, uh, at this church. I, I, I just didn't really find a place where I fit. And it was the first time that I'd ever encountered this. Hmm. Um, and so I had moved to California and I'd put in a good four years there and just never really could find my place. You like you didn't feel part of the fabric of the, of the, no, of the family. No. And you know, uh, it could have, it could have been me. It could have been, it could have been them. And I was just trying to figure it out. And, uh, the pastor started a series on marriage and I thought, Oh, this'll be, this'll be interesting. You know, it'd be good to kind of hear what he's saying. And 18 months later, he was still talking about marriage. Hmm. And he was going through Matthew chapter 19, those first verses there where, where the rulers had come to Jesus and asked him about divorce. Mm-hmm. And the disciples answer after, after the conversation, they answer and say, well, if this is the way that it is between a husband and wife, wouldn't it be better than a man not marry? And Jesus says to them, well, this is not for everyone, but only for right. those to whom it's been given. So there are some who are eunuchs because they were born that way. Some were made that way by men. Some are eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. If a man can't accept it, let him, let him accept it. So it's Matthew mm-hmm. 19. So uh, he's preaching through the divorce passage and he gets here to the end to where the disciples say, well, wouldn't it be better for a man not to marry? And he skipped the verses. No. Yeah. Skip the verses and started a new series completely unrelated off in another passage. Oh my goodness. And so I said, Hey, about two weeks later, I thought, Oh, maybe he'll pick it up. No, he wasn't picking it up. So I said, Hey, can I take you out to lunch? 
And uh, he said, what did I do wrong? I'm like, well, I don't know, but let's <laughs> talk about it. Which one do you want to choose, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had sat there for a very long time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and listened. And I thought, I'm going to ask some questions here. And so we talked for close to two hours. And in the, in, at the end, I summed up basically what he was telling me about why he skipped the passages and, and why he wasn't going to be talking about singleness. He said it doesn't apply to the church. Hmm. And that um, specific one or generally? Generally speaking on singleness didn't apply to the church. And, and then the, the second thing I asked him, I said, so what about single people and their spiritual gifts? Oh, well, you really can't exercise them in the church because you're not being sanctified by marriage. Wow. As if marriage is the more, only way. it's, it's stronger. Marriage yeah. is stronger than the Holy spirit is basically what he was saying to me. Hmm. Um, and it was the light came on, right? I was able to, to kind of go, Oh, this is why I haven't really been able to be a part of this congregation because he doesn't see me as a whole person. Huh. He sees me as deficient as un as an, person who's not married. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'll tell you, Michael, I've always wanted to be married. It's mm. never been an issue in my heart that, oh, I just want to be single because it's easier. That's not been the case. Right. Um, you know, it's I wanted to be. Myths. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I got to figure this out because I probably shouldn't be in this church if I'm 32 years old. And it seems that at least for now, the Lord has me be single for the sake of the kingdom. And right. I probably need to be a place where I can actually exercise the gifts that God's given me because I read scripture saying that if I'm not exercising my gifts, then the body's disabled hmm. because it's missing a part that isn't actually functioning. And so, um, yeah. So I started actually asking questions. I, I ran a survey. I was in my doctoral studies at this time. <laughs> oh, like, hey! of course. <laughs> Let's get nerdy Let's about it. Yeah. Survey. And so, um, so I ran this survey uh, at the college and, and I asked questions of our students about their perspective and graduates too, uh, of their perspectives on singleness. And I was shocked. Um, absolutely shocked. I tell you, um, most of our students who had grown up in Christian homes had never heard a sermon on singleness. Huh. Most of them couldn't identify anything Jesus had to say about singleness or the fact that Jesus himself was single and that hadn't really registered. Um, most of our students couldn't come up with references that related to singleness in the scriptures. Uh, and I began asking, why is this? What has the church missed in not actually recognizing that 20 somethings don't all need to hear dating sermon after dating sermon after dating sermon, right? Right. In their teens, it's all about purity in their twenties. It's all about, it's all about, uh, dating. And so um, so I began to ask those questions and I realized that there was just this lack of information hmm. uh, that was 
in the church. Um, and I had a good group of young people around me um, who were my age, who were in the same situation I was, desiring yeah. marriage, and yet it didn't seem to be what God was bringing to us. And, uh, and so I began to actually study and to do some research and to present a few seminars. And I remember the first time a church asked me to actually come and do a seminar on singleness. And I thought, that's it. I'm single the rest of my life. <laughs> um, so if that's you can't be the expert and then and stop being the expert. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, so it was one of those things where I kind of stumbled into it, uh, yeah. just through my own experience but began to realize very quickly, especially as the culture has shifted, um, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, mm -hmm. the culture has shifted in such a way that um, there are, I, I mean, just statistically, you can check my math on this, but statistically, if every Christian woman in the church wanted to get married, there literally are not enough Christian men to provide husbands for everyone. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so let's just say we're going to have a, a growing population of single mm -hmm. women, especially in the churches. And I think those, the numbers have borne that out. Uh, yeah. Pew research has done quite a bit of tracking on that. And so, you know, just statistically, we've got to get better at actually recognizing that there are some unique advantages and disadvantages to being single. Mm -hmm. And the Bible bears this out, right? Yeah. Uh, Paul writes extensively in 1 Corinthians 7 about what it looks like to be single in the church, yeah. to be undistractedly devoted to Jesus. And he actually honors it. And he says mm -hmm. that God has gifted those who are single and trusting the Lord with that singleness. He's gifted them with uh, a spiritual gift of sorts, although it's yeah. never listed as one of the spiritual gifts, and it certainly <laughs> isn't one that anyone prays for. Right? No, God no, gives me the gift. It's not the gift that, that they're asking Santa for. Yeah, right. It's it's more the gift that we go, hey, where's the receipt on this one? And what's the return period? <laughs> right. Um, but the reality is, everyone starts out single, and yep. and if you live long enough, everyone ends up single. And there's a lot of people in between who are single, either because they've been divorced or abandoned by a by a husband, um, or they've been um, they've they've lost a spouse to to death, mm -hmm. um, or they've never been married like me. And so we've got all of these categories, all of these demographic categories uh, in the church. But it feels like at times every sermon, every illustration within a sermon, every passage only ever relates to the traditional nuclear family. Right. And yeah. Well, I was going to ask, when, when that pastor said that to you, um, I can only imagine what my emotions would be. How did you feel when he said well, that? I was. I would have been so mad. I'll just say that right now. I would have been so. Yeah. Mad. Been like, you're looking at me right now, and you know my state of life. Like, and and you're kind of almost calling me irrelevant. That's how I would. I mean, and I'm an emotional person, but that's. Uh, yeah, I'll let you answer the question. Yeah, and I'd been in ministry for about maybe 15 years at that point. 
So I knew that God had used me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I could I could point to people whose lives were different. Um, and they loved Jesus more because I was a part of their world. Hmm. Um, because of Jesus, not because of Lisa, because Lisa's, you know, an arrogant twit. But um, I, I was I was initially just saddened hmm. because my first thought was I have to leave this church and hmm. I do love the people here. Yeah. Um, that was my first thought was like, oh man, I got to find a new church. Um, I think the anger grew over the, over the weeks as I thought back to that. Mm -hmm. And then I settled back into just sadness for him and for the church. Mm. Um, and you know, that, that has, you know, I've, I've stayed in touch with these folks over the years. The pastor's not there anymore. Um, so there's a different pastor and, and I think they've, they have ministered well in the days, um, these most recent days to moms who have been abandoned and, and single moms who've decided to do foster care and, you know, all kinds of, of, uh, people. I, uh, it's not the case for them now. Uh, but Mm -hmm. at that point I was just really saddened by that because I was like, man, I can't stay here. I can't be a part of these families' lives every day if I'm being told by my spiritual leadership that they believe something very unbiblical about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think over over the years, it's kind of, it's waxed and waned. And I think there's some good writing that's being done right now. Yep. I actually just, uh, at my church, um, our pastor just preached two sermons on singleness. The first two sermons I had heard anyone preach, frankly, specifically, yeah, on, on in my church, right, yeah, in in yeah. a church that I attended, um, I've I've gone to conferences and heard some people, and you know, I've heard some chapel messages at other universities and things, but the but first time that my pastor, yeah, yeah, and so you know, when he was working on those those messages, he actually called me, called me into his office, and said, hey. Um, this is this is what I'm studying through. Tell me what this piece is like for you. Hmm. And so to have a part of that, um, I'll tell you, I sat in my I sat in my living room and just wept with thankfulness that the hmm. Lord has given me the opportunity to build up his church because of where I am as a single woman. And, you know, I don't think if I had ever been if I had been married, um, I don't think anyone would have ever um, imagined that I could have done the things that I've done or gone the places that I've gone or done the mm-hmm. traveling or put in the long hours with college students. And, yeah. um, you know, I, the life that the Lord has given me has been such a delight. And it's possible because I'm single. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There would have been other joys, I'm sure, if I'd gotten married and had kids and um, but there are, there are immense joys in seeing my kids from ministry, um, yeah. all over the world and seeing how the Lord's using them. And like, um, like how Paul talks about Timothy, right? My true child in the yeah. faith. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, I think of the, the message that John Piper preached. It's probably 20 years old now from Isaiah, uh, that talks about the eunuchs, mm-hmm. uh, the eunuchs who, 
who love the Lord uh, will be given a name better than sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. And I really do feel like that's um, that has been a blessing from the Lord to recognize that my life isn't wasted. Mm-hmm. It isn't um, infertile, if I could use that phrase, because there sure. really is a sense where, you know, a, an almost 50 year old woman who's never been married is is in a sense uh, physically infertile. Mm-hmm. Um, that that there's an there's an aspect that um, you know working through that pain, working through every Mother's Day, frankly, right, um, and Valentine's Day, right, and so a lot of the writing that I do actually happens in January and February around <laughs> Valentine's Day. I, I did and, notice that, yeah, yeah. If my single friends are anything like I am, it's a rough time, right? Yeah, sure, I love roses too. Yeah, everybody else is celebrating, and and you're being reminded of something that you've wanted. Yeah, but life doesn't have to be unfruitful because I don't have the traditional family as a part of my world. Mm -hmm. But what it's allowed me to do is actually engage with more families, right? Mm. So, you know, there's there's people all over the world whose kids call me aunt Mm -hmm. um, and uh, who have said, oh, Lisa, if you ever get sick, you'll come live with us. So that's just such a joy uh, to yeah. see God care for me. And there's moments, Michael, where it's it's like, oh, man, what happens when I get to be 70 and I don't remember my own name? You know, <laughs> it's like, what, ha- what happens? You know what? The scriptures tells me that uh, the Lord has, um, the Lord does not leave his faithful ones to want and I can trust him. I can trust yeah. him for whatever 70 looks like yep. uh, in the midst of that. So, yeah. Um, it, you, what, what struck me when you were saying that is um, you, uh, you were almost uh, conscious of, um, of the way that the Lord had used you as a single um, to, to build up the church, to edify, to grow, to encourage the people around you. Um, and it, it almost made me think, it made me think a little bit of what we were talking about before of, we need to be conscious of our testimonies and how God mm-hmm. is working in and through us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we don't, it, I, it, in my mind, uh, that would help diminish any insecurity that somebody might have about their, uh, utility in God's church because of their station of life or because they haven't arrived at this place or that place, um, in terms of, <clears throat> you know, status or marital status, parental status or Mm -hmm. otherwise. Um, And uh, so it, uh, yeah, so I I think I'm, I'm encouraged to, to hear that it, 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 we say that it's not the be all end all, but for you, you had tangible evidence and we're thinking about, no, that that's just Mm -hmm. not, uh, it's not what my worth is in. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's really, the interesting is when I start thinking about my identity, it would be easy to say, oh, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, right? Mm-hmm. That becomes a lot of people's identity. Or, it, you know, for my college students, it was often, well, I'm this guy's girlfriend or I'm mm-hmm. I'm this guy's fiance. Mm-hmm. And that would become the identity. And yet I read in Ephesians, um, I'm doing a conference on Ephesians this weekend and So I've been thinking a lot about Ephesians 1. My whole identity is wrapped up in Christ. Hmm. 
right? And so, like I said, everybody starts out single and they're going to be single again. And Jesus says, when we get to heaven, mm. it's gonna, we're going to be like the angels. There's not going to be marriage or given or being given in marriage. Right. And so, you know, so there's that aspect of going, well, wait, if this life is, uh, it's preparation for the next, there's an element where as a single person, I get to validate the effectiveness of the gospel every day, hmm. right? Marriage, uh, this is, this is a, a quote taken from Sam Albury in his book, Seven Myths About Singleness. And he says this, marriage shows the shape of the gospel that the bride of Christ will one day be united to her groom Christ. Uh, but singleness shows its efficacy. Hmm. And every day that I live as a single woman and I trust my God, I'm demonstrating that his spirit at work in me is all that I actually need to live a godly life. And I think the realization that I had when I started studying this, realizing that this might be what the Lord had for me for a while anyway, yeah. Was that Jesus was single. Hmm. If Jesus, if we needed marriage to be godly people, Jesus mm -hmm. would have been married. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he wasn't. Contrary to what Dan Brown says. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to seven myths um, by Sam Albury and, uh, you know, to my, to my shame, I think I found a, a reflex in me of uh, lacking empathy, I think, from for his perspective as he was talking about it. And I think that's that, that ends up being part of the problem. I think um, I'm glad I was conscious of it enough of it, at least at some point um, to realize, you know what, I it, it uh, I think the cynical side of me felt like, wow, it sounds almost like he has a chip on his shoulder. And <laughs> um, I wonder but, why. <laughs> right right well and then I, I just i started to think about like even uh you know there's been times when i have felt like uh you know i'm on the outside looking in on what most people are doing and um and and it made me think about how as a culture you know we kind of think like okay you go to elementary school then you go to junior high school then you go to high school then you know these days most people say you go to college and then you get married and then you have kids and then you work for 30 to 40 years, then you retire and, you know, waste your time and then you die. And, and it's almost like this is, this is the life track that everybody has. And we assume that it's for everybody. Um, and to kind of just create more, uh, not just awareness and conversation, but to uh, help people to pay more attention that your marriage and your joy or uh, valuing the idea, at least of marriage, not to say that every moment of your marriage is going to be happy because believe me, it's not, but uh, that, uh, that these are all, um, you need to do well in, in the circumstances that you are and the vehicles that you're in to worship and honor the Lord. And, um, and it kind of made me think twice or re uh, yeah, rethink, um, how I had it out of proportion, um, and probably will still do, but, just how I need to shift that, that aspect of it, that singleness is not, it's not a disability people. Um, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, and nor is it something necessarily to be, um, you know, marginalized. Um, and, and, and reading through your blog, I've, I've appreciated because like it, it's gotten me thinking, 
I need to need to be more conscious at church to find to to notice who the singles are and just try and invite them into our home. Um, especially listening uh, after listening to the seven myths, you know, he talks about how um, part of the nature of how his his relationships with other families have worked is that he ends up needing the interaction with the families more than they need him. Um, because, you know, the, the family's just going to kind of keep spinning its wheels and doing what it does. And it'll have its community with itself if, if it doesn't have it with other people outside of it. And, um, but just trying to be more conscious of, okay, let's, let's not just, uh, stay comfortable in, in my four walls of, you know, my small family's uh, hangout group, but let's see who, who else is, is out there that we can, uh, love on and be loved by. Yeah, that point was really helpful for me um, when he when he said that he said singles need families more than families need singles mm -hmm. uh, because the family is a unit. It's moving forward, and so when I when I jump on with a family, I got to jump on wherever it is that they're moving forward. I can't mm -hmm. expect them to stop and go. Oh wait. What's Lisa doing now? It is the greatest gift in the world when they do. Yeah. And when families say, hey, we're going on vacation. You want to come with us? That's awesome. When couples will say to me, it's date night. You want to go with us? Hmm. That just blows my socks off. Right. You know, that, that demonstration of love, of recognition, of friendship and care for me is just i mean it just is oh, it's warm fuzzy all over the place oh for right? sure yeah um but i also have to recognize that i can't resent when they don't do that mm -hmm. right because mm -hmm. they they do have their world going and when they don't you know pull me into everything that they're doing i have more time why do i have more time is it to watch the west wing in its entirety again again yeah <laughs> yeah you know I, maybe, uh, <laughs> but I don't think that's why I have that extra time. So sure. I have to actually stop and say, how does the Lord want me to use this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's the, that's one of the great challenges for a single is recognizing yeah. that, um, the, the space that the Lord has given us, um, is, for a purpose. Now, sometimes people have we have, people think we have greater space than we actually do, right. because where you and Christy have division of labor, yes, mm -hmm. you may have more labor because Isaiah is a tornado. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where you and Christy have a division of labor, right? So yeah. if the car breaks down. Christy's going to take it to the shop and sit there while you're right. at work and, and figure that out. If my car breaks down, I'm calling an Uber and having to figure in, figure life out, right? right? If I go and minister on a weekend, no one's doing my laundry and packing my suitcase for me to go or cleaning my house while I'm gone, right? right. So all of those things, it, it, there there's more time at different times than what people think and mm -hmm. less time than than some of the expectations that people would have there's also more and less money too you know yeah my yeah. tax bracket kills me because i'm you know single income no kids yeah uh, no house right so yeah. the money gets 
goes more money, more of my money goes to the government. Time and money become those resources that have to be used appropriately and faithfully within the context that the Lord has given me. But right. it requires communication back and forth between families and, and singles to have a recognition of what some of those challenges are. And so that's some of the writing that I'm trying to do is, mm -hmm. is um, actually sharing with people the things that I've learned, mm -hmm. um, knocking on my friend's back doors for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and, and ways that I've done that poorly, I've tried to bring some of that out. Um, not all of it because whew, nobody wants that. Um, but some of it, you know, I've had to, of shame. right. I've had to recognize that, you know, a mom who's been up since four o'clock in the morning with a crying baby doesn't want me sitting on her couch at 11 o'clock at night, you yeah. know, having, having a conversation every time I come over. <laughs> so I have to be really sensitive that when people are falling asleep in front of me, it's time for me to go, Hey, love you guys. Gotta go. Right. Um, but well, yeah. Let me ask about that. Like, how, how have you navigated that? Like, it, has it been, because I remember being um, after college and before Christy and I even started dating, like even throughout college, but I think I started to notice it was, notice it more because uh, after, after college, because there was a couple families, actually, they would just say, hey, come out, come hang out. Hey, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to go on a hike. Do you want to come? Yeah. And then at, at some point, you know, you just get involved with more and more things like, hey, what are you doing for Easter? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? You want to come over? You want to come to our family's house? And um, and uh, for that relationship, it was all mostly on their end. But at some mm -hmm. point, I, I just started showing up and I would ask, hey, what are you guys doing? And they're like, I don't know. You want to hang out? And then, uh, you know, the husband said, hey, I'm going to go help out with this camp, you know, out of state. You want to come? And um, and so when you have engage in that process, um, is has it been them asking you, you asking them? And is it like just kind of because for me, I would feel I felt vulnerable. Like if I were to ask, um, do you just kind of say, you know what? If they say no, they say no, because it's just that's but you want to hang out. You want to be a part of the family or part of the community. Yeah, you know, it's been different for me with different families and different um, seasons, frankly. Um, there have been families who have reached out um, very vigorously. Uh, one family gave me a, very quickly into my relationship with them, gave me a key to their house mm. and said, Friday night, every Friday night, you can come do laundry. Hmm. And so I did for 16 years. Wow. Until I was able to get a washer and dryer in my own house. Wow. And uh, that was... That was not only the key to their, to their house, it was the key to their love and their family. Mm -hmm. um, so I was there when they brought home the ultrasound for their first child. Oh, wow. I was there to, to go on um, a trip to go pick up one of the kids from, from Africa to meet the children in Africa that they adopted. I was there mm -hmm. to take care of the kids when they went to adopt a child from China. Mm -hmm. You know, so there were, there were a lot of uh, markers over the years that that simple act of saying every Friday night, dinner with us and laundry, here's a key. Even if we're not here, this is your, this is your spot. Um, but there have been seasons too, where that same family, they've got teenagers now, it's just very different, right? Yeah. Yeah. finding times, finding ways that I can walk with them. 
Um, and so I've had to adjust as their lives have adjusted. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another family in my world that I, uh, uh, they call me their backdoor friend. So <laughs> I show up at the back door, but our deal is that I whistle. Um, I, you know, I, I give a pretty loud whistle so they know I'm coming and can, yeah. you know, send unclothed people away from the kitchen. Yeah, right. for me. Um, you know, so my deal with them is I'm going to call and say, Hey, I've got, and I'll fill in, fill in the blank with whatever protein I have on hand. Mm -hmm. I've got uh, a couple packages of salmon. Can I come over for dinner? And so I provide the protein, they grill it up, pro they provide the sides or we'll yeah. do nachos together or whatever it is. Um, I, I try to, to, be a contributor to the household as well as someone who um, is a joyful taker uh, mm -hmm. from them too. And so I think it's just, it's one of those things where you just have to, you have to be conscious and ask questions and the families have been great um, helping me realize where my blind spots are and, you know, Hey, you know what, when you wrestle with our kids this way, that probably isn't the most helpful for them. <laughs> so, you know, if you would, or Did they hey, take your ball too? What's that? Did they take the ball too? <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. Um, so, you know, or helping me like, hey, you know what? We really don't want our kids to use that word. Would you try not to use the word, you know, whatever it is, stupid yeah. while you're around our kids? Right. Um, and so they've been really good in helping me, uh, helping me be conscious where I just was unaware of how yeah. I was acting them as a family or them as a couple or, you know, their kids or whatever that is. So that's the, that's the give and take of life together. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think uh, with, with that, that's the way we should all be engaging with one another is looking yeah. out for the people who need, need companionship, who need help, who need community, whether that's me looking out for other single people or for even couples that aren't engaging well within a community hmm. um, or it's uh, a family looking out for singles, you know, it's just the church has to care for people. And I think, I don't know if I've already said this or not, um, but I think Mike that in the next 10 to 15 years, mm -hmm. how the church cares for its singles will be the key marker of what love looks like. Mm -hmm. There's going to be more singles, not yep. fewer in yep. the days ahead. It's just trending so that way. Yep. It's trending that way, whether it's because of uh, cultural variables or economic variables or mm -hmm. lack of, of Christian men in the church. Um, whatever the reasons are, it's trending that way. Mm -hmm. And the, the um, I think the struggle that some people have, as Sam Albury writes about, with same-sex attraction, mm -hmm. you know, that they want to live godly, chaste lives. Yeah. How the church loves people who struggle with sexual sin is going to be a marker right. um, of, of do we actually love our God? Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, on that last point too, I, I've began to think that um, 
a lot of the church in America is so preoccupied with uh, or so focused on its moralism that uh, we end up ostracizing those people instead of talking about how great God is um, yeah. to, to where, you know, even the, the sins that are, uh, I don't know, harder to hide or mm-hmm. um, less accepted, mm-hmm. um, that, those, that Christ died for those too, and that those can be overcome as well. Yeah. Um, uh, are, are there um, the, the seven myths that Sam Albury talked about? Uh, I'll list them off. My question to you is, is, is there one that you find uh, personally or particularly frustrating or bothersome? So the seven are uh, singleness is, is too hard. It requires a special calling. Uh, it means no intimacy. It means no family. It hinders ministry. It wastes your sexuality or, and that it's easy. Is there one of those that you just like, it, it, whether it be the perception or even the reality for you? Yeah. Um, let's see. I would say, um, boy, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I would say that there's, there's an aspect where the issue of no family has been, you know, when I read that again, I mean, Sam wrote this wrote this book from his own very raw experiences and i i um man when i read that i was like that's that's a great explanation for that Hmm. that myth of well singleness means no family because i think one of the markers of the lord's grace in my life has been the families that he has placed me in um and, you know, I just, I'm just coming back from doing vacation with some friends in Arizona mm-hmm. and, uh, they have nine kids. Oh, I've wow. known them for, <laughs> I've known them for more than, uh, just, just 30 years. Uh, I've known them for 30 years. Uh, their kids are an amazing, um, combination of cultures and disabilities and joy and delight. And, you know, the fact that, that I get to be with them and hear the conversations that the parents have with one another and, and to be a part of that, um, is just such a delight Hmm. or the, the couple that every time I go visit them, they've got five kids, couple adopted in there and, um, every time I go see them, they say, Hey, Lisa, how are we doing as parents? What could mm. we do differently? Yeah. I mean, every time they ask me, I get all choked up. I'm like, Wah. Well, this, it's know. so, it's so trusting and vulnerable to ask. Yeah. That. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an, uh, yeah, it's honor. It's an honor. It to, is an honor. Know. And, and to me that says I'm a part of them. Right. Mm. So to say that I don't have a family is that's pretty bogus. Yeah. Now, one of the, one of the things that I talk about quite often when I speak on singleness is I reference my experience in the church, uh, a a church that I attended for about um, six years where oftentimes when I would meet someone new, um, someone would introduce themselves to me or I would introduce myself to another woman in the, in the class. And I'd say, Oh, I'm, I'm Lisa. What's, what's your name? And they'd say, Oh, my name is so-and-so. And And then they would say, what does your husband do? Right. Right. 
there's no way for me to answer that question without <laughs> bringing that conversation to a grinding halt. Right, right. I've tried every which way to get out of that graciously yeah. for that woman not to feel embarrassed by how right. silly that question really is. Yeah. And so I just make the recommendation to people that they say, hey, tell me about your family. Yeah. That allows me, that allows anyone, whether they're married or not, to say, oh, you know, I've got two kids in the house, two kids outside of the house, or um, you know what, I, I, I'm here in LA by myself, but my parents and my brother and siblings are, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're elsewhere. Um, so it allows someone to kind of work out that, um, work out that answer without actually pinning them to this expectation right. that if you're a vigorous member of the congregation, that of course you're married and your husband is a seminary <laughs> professor or something, right? Right. And so, you know, so it's that idea that I'm missing out completely. I mean, let's go back to Isaiah, right. the name better than sons and daughters. Right. Right. But it's also sons and daughters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're not my kids. I didn't birth them. Yeah. I didn't go through the legal adoption of them, but they've adopted me. And yeah. so those friends have become like family for me. And I've gotten to help raise more kids than most parents ever get to. Mm. Well, and and even asking people to ask the question differently, I think it, I, I appreciate, I can't think of a better word, I appreciate the maturity uh, that it takes to, uh, to, to rephrase it because the goal of the conversation is not so that you can have that chip on your shoulder of like, no, you need to recognize that there are singles in the church, but your goal is to engage with the other people in the yeah. church and to fortify the relationships of community within the church. Um, and, and, you want to know what what the symbol of a church that cares for people to me is? What's that? It's you go to a church dinner that has those round tables, mm -hmm. and there are an odd number of chairs <laughs> yeah. at the table. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's reframing ministry because three separate times at a church function, I have been asked to move from a oh. table I was seated at so oh. that a couple could sit down yeah. in the, in the chairs, in the, in my chair and the chair that was next to me. Hmm. Right. But a church that's thinking about how do we care for people? Well, we'll yeah. put an odd number chair at that table. Right. In every station of life. Right. 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 Whether it's somebody who's 60 years old, who's lost her husband, mm -hmm. or it's somebody who's, 22 and just as awkward because they don't know how to start a conversation in a social <laughs> because setting. they're because they're 22 because <laughs> they're 22 right <laughs> right um yeah. let me uh, I, I have uh, i want to be respectful of your time i have maybe one or two other questions go for it um i i, I read on your blog you said i have been wanted pursued and chosen by the great God of the universe. He is ever present, bringing joy, lifting my eyes to his promises. And uh, if I remember correctly, you said that kind of with implying um, that you have um, greater than any desire to get married and, and you know, any focus of, of being single, that you have satisfaction in, in life and in the, the deepness, the intimacy that, that exists, uh, in your relationship with the Lord. Um, I think for me, sometimes, 
uh, as I've grown up, um, I've battled this sense of knowing, knowing what's true, but having feelings that almost make it feel opposite of what's true. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, in, in the times that my wife and I, uh, were, you know, trying to, to get pregnant or whatever else and saw everybody else, you know, get pregnant so easily. It felt like there was a party going on that we just couldn't get into. And, um, and, and, you know, but at the same time, you feel almost a little bit of, uh, you feel happiness for the people who are expecting. And, but then you're also reminded of what you don't have that you want. And it's weird to have those two concurrent feelings. Um, so I guess for you, uh, you know, how did you know that the, in the times or how have you grown to know that um, your true deep joy is in your relationship with the Lord uh, and that it's not, you're not just saying that to kind of put a bandaid and almost distract from the fact that you have, that you want something that you don't have. Yeah. You know, um, I, I feel that when you, when you talk about wanting to get into that party, I mean, in my life working in a university, it was an endless stream <laughs> yeah. of bridal showers, oh, yeah. baby showers, gender reveals, weddings, yeah. right? And I, I mean, I even had a line item in my budget for <laughs> gifts for such events, um, simply because it was just such a regular part of life. And I wanted in on that party, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I appreciate your, your saying it that way. Um, you know, I, I think actually the, the quote that you read was from, a. if I'm thinking of the right post, it was a post that I wrote, um, called wanting to be wanted. Mm. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it basically was a, it was a meditation on, um, while you were sleeping, that <laughs> yeah. great movie, you know, yeah. that, uh, yeah. that it has that poignant phrase in there and and uh, where Lucy is asked by her boss, why are you marrying this guy and not the guy that you love? And she says, he didn't want me, right? Mm-hmm. And that phrase, I just sob every time I hear it. Yeah. Because I think from a human perspective, man, it'd be nice to have the joy that I see my friends having. But I recognize that God's purposes for me, at least today, tomorrow may be different, right? But at least today, God's purposes for me do not include that. Mm. And so I think it's it's a steady, um, it's a steady steady recognition of God's goodness and of mm. asking Him to keep reminding me of that and to show me his purpose for Hmm. me in this. And I think he's been very kind. Um, He's been very kind to show that to me Um, and to show me when, you know, when there have been opportunities where perhaps marriage would have been the easy thing to just slide into, but it Hmm. wouldn't have been the best thing that he will continue to provide and to love me Um, And I have to recognize that his love and his drawing, his choice of me is eternal, Hmm. where marriage is not. And I'd rather go for the long game on this one. Yeah. Um, And like I said, if the Lord so 
brings me someone that I could serve with, mm-hmm. that we would serve better together than either of us serves apart. And my email address is lisalagegeorge at gmail.com. If there's anybody out there between the ages of 40 and 60 who loves Jesus and isn't very weird, um, (laughs) here I am. But until the Lord makes that really obvious, right? um, I, I want to trust him that he's got a really good purpose in the midst of this. Yeah. And so sometimes my blog is me preaching to myself. And just sharing, sharing, sharing what you're thinking through. Yeah. Well, I remember I was listening to your podcast with a women's hope podcast. Um, And I, I, one thing that struck me was that, you know, contentment is a constant pursuit and for everybody. um, Right. And, and again, whatever station of life you're in and, and I've realized even Christy and I've been married for uh, 12 years Mm. and, um, it's, it, it, it's not like once you go through the ceremony and whatever else that it's kind of cruise control from there. But, um, like I, she, as my wife, she needs and deserves more of my attention than with, uh, anybody else. And, but that, that's has to, that has to be a choice. Um, even though I don't spend most of my day with her, I spend it at work. Right. But, mm-hmm. uh, and in the same way though, uh, you know, you have to, Things don't just, you, you don't get to heaven on the lazy river, right? And so yeah. um, you kind of, you really have to, to row in the direction that you want to go. Um, and so I, I appreciated you saying that. I appreciate you sharing uh, and just your your openness, your vulnerability, your candor. I, I uh, From my readings, I think it does, uh, especially about singleness, it, it does build up the church. It, it encourages mm-hmm. it to um, think of... Um, you know, think of, of, uh, how we are participating in the wave of worship of God, as mm. opposed to, um, feeling like we're the center of the solar system, so to speak. And so, um, thank you for that. Um, thanks for your time, uh, uh, for the past, what, almost two hours here. <laughs> it, I, I, I come from, uh, I, I'm the grandson of a uh, door-to-door salesman. And so I, I have the ability to speak and, um, and I try to ask questions that, that give people a platform to speak. And so apparently I've done well today. <laughs> well, I am the, uh, the daughter and the granddaughter and great granddaughter of teachers. So I like talking. Um, so thanks for asking all of your questions and Mike, thanks for, thanks for asking good questions. I mean, it's, it's really easy for people to just to to ask kind of token questions about singleness. You know, what's hard about being single? What's easy about being single? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do with all your free time? Those are yeah. some of the questions that are pretty easy to ask. But to to really dig into that, I do appreciate your the the preparation you've gone through to even um, continue to ask. So yeah, I pray it's an encouragement to to you as well as to the church or. Yeah, my mom as she listens to it because you know, <laughs> two hours she may, may be the only one who does. <laughs> well, I usually split them up into two. Oh, but... very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Lisa. Uh, God bless and um, uh, Lord bless on the uh, the conference this weekend as well. Thanks, Michael. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this two-part conversation with Dr. Lisa LaGeorge. Hope you all are doing well.